AG1 is a comprehensive and convenient blend of over 70 high quality ingredients. And what that means is each morning when I wake up, before I do anything else, I drink AG1 to set me up for the day. It keeps me clear headed, full of energy and focused on whatever I need to do, like writing the fighting cock, for example. One scoop once a day before breakfast and that's it. I've actually found that I've not been needing coffee in the morning to get me started. I've still been drinking coffee because I love coffee, but it's not because it's like a necessity to do so. AG1 is made out of the highest quality ingredients subject to the strictest manufacturing standards. AG1 is NSF certified for sport and this process involves exhaustive testing and verification that every serving of AG1 is exactly what you see on the label. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs for your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock. That's drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock to get started and to help the podcast. Thank you very much. Have a great day and enjoy the show. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to Geico.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. 
podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock! It's the fighting. It's the fighting. I want this plane to fucking hit the Twin Towers because I can't be bothered to be alive anymore. Ricky, why so, are you eating a... Why have you got a sausage on a fork? <laughs> because uh, I was walking down to the kitchen. I said, Don, shall I uh, do the pod now? Or should I... Oh, fuck, are they sausages cooking? Let me have one. So I just grabbed it off the fork and it's boiling hot. When I was just, when I was just uh, plugging in that, uh, the light, I, I forgot the sausage was hot, so I needed both hands. I put it in my mouth and it was so hot, I've just dribbled everywhere. Like, fucking, it's scalding. It's just dribbled. It's gone everywhere. I thought, I'll fucking deal with that in a bit. Deal with the dribble, innit? Yeah. It's episode 38, season 11 oh of The Fighting God. <laughs> Title of the pod, Ricky Sausage. It's done. So Ricky's yeah. little sausage. <laughs> Rick, eat your sausage. Ricky. Get in front of the mic, please. Ricky Spat Sausage. What, what did you expect, Ricky? We're podcasting right now, mate. This is you've got to be switched on all the time. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, that's that's true. Especially with you about as well. Yeah. I'm crafty. I'm a little bit yeah. tricky. You know, um, you know when Flav asked you like a loaded question that the pod's yeah. probably started. Like, why is he going to go? Why have you got a a sausage on a fork, Ricky? Like, it's a, <laughs> he doesn't it's, give a shit. Normally, it's, does not, he? it's not like you haven't known me for fucking God knows how many years. Two thousand and three, I think we met, Rick. Fuck knows, mate. All right. Well, I remember. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tottenham Hotspur just beating Morecambe 3-1 in an FA Cup, FA, FA Cup tie that meant nothing from the moment it started no, well, up until the moment it started and then meant everything <laughs> I was watching it going alright, this is a gimme we just sit back watch our star players do what they do we'll, we'll brush them aside which is ignorant of the magic of the FA Cup, if that means anything. But this weekend was full of magic, I thought. There was a great, a great, great result at, uh, at Nottingham Forest Stadium. What is it? Trent Park? City ground, right? Is it? City yeah. ground? Like yeah, there was a great result. Down. There was a great result out there, weren't there? And, um, you know, the, the, the magic of the FA Cup is, is live. Um, we can talk about a lot today. There's a lot, lot to come out of that game and what's surrounding Spurs at the moment. But uh, before we do, um, I just want to allude to the fact that we have an interview with Rob White, who fundamentally, him and the Trust were responsible for the Lady King mural that's uh, appeared in Tottenham. And uh, yeah, we talk about it, but it's, well, I just want to get your take on that, guys. What, what do you think of it? Oh, it's it's amazing. Like uh, as I was walking past it yesterday with uh, with my kids coming coming away from the game, uh, unfortunately they just like either side of his arms was showing, but there was a canvas cloth over the face, 
um so i couldn't uh, i couldn't take it all in as i was there but i showed show my kids yesterday um and then i found the photo on twitter of it kind of like ne- nearly done but um it's um i just find the stuff like that quite inspiring really especially with our club uh, mm. and it's so close to the ground as well like you literally cannot miss it um and it's one of those things that as you're walking down the high road and you do see it, it's that reminder of everything that, why you support this, this great club. Mm. And to do with kind of like, I know that um, the new stadium and, and they've done all these like different touches of uh, commemoration of the old White Hart Lane and um, like notes to old players and stuff like that. But this, I don't know, just seeing it, it just feels a bit more um, authentic, real yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it, John. Yeah, I got a bit, I got a bit emotional when I was watching the, um, the video of Ledley seeing it for the first time, which like um, the, the club put out on their socials today. And so many things were like running through my mind. Like one, what if that was you and your boyhood club, the team you support, the area you're from, is a mural that will be there for as long as you're alive, probably, um, commemorating your achievements for the club. And I just, like, it really made me feel emotional. Like, imagine that was actually you and you see that and it gets unveiled. One, like, what an amazing feeling. Then it, like, kind of just, it just brought a lot of um, a lot of thoughts, like, about players like Harry Kane and a modern footballers now where I think that the idea of, like, m- the money you can earn or, like, the, the sort of trophies you can win at certain clubs. And actually, after it all ends, it's so meaningless in comparison to what Ledley King must have felt when he saw that on that wall. 100%. There are so many players who've won trophies that no one gives a shit about, that you forget about, that are just, you know, that they have their moment in the sun, they can always say, yeah, yeah, look, I won this and I won that. But like the actual, and I guess it's a bit of a cliche, like the actual respect of the people, of the club that you love, that is worth its weight in gold. And I think now sometimes there must have been moments where, you know, maybe if he hadn't have had fucking balloon knees, that he might have had offers to play for other clubs. I'm sure he would have. But maybe he thinks now, like, okay, like it was worth it. Like I, I have the respect of the club that I love, and I think that's that was such a touching moment. I thought it was lovely, mate. We we talk about that uh, in in the interview that you're you're here shortly. Um, we we I spoke about that with Rob. Is like what like what what an amazing thing to for him. He's you know he's he he played his football in a time where the Premier League was exploding and um, you know superstars were made and the division between the fans and the players was getting further and further away. But he was still, when he came into the, the squad, a, a, a kind of old school, you know, he was, he, he was sort of, you know, he was just a part of the fabric of, of Tottenham and what it meant to come on and, and play. And it turned out that he was gold. Like he was fantastic. The best Defender, I, I, I would say, like injuries aside, probably better than Sol Campbell. And and if he hadn't had those injuries, like you say, John, maybe he would have gone on elsewhere. But he didn't. He did have those injuries. We, the club, helped him as much as possible, and or the managers and the training staff did. And he helped um, himself by, you know, doing what he needed to do just to get on the pitch. I remember. Harry Redknapp saying that you know he doesn't train a minute. All all he can do each week is or each game is play the the minutes that we that his body will allow him to play, and all, all the rest of it is spent in the swimming pool. It's not spent on the training ground, and he was that good. 
And you've got to think, like, he he like he could have retired. He could have, and, and that would have been a shame, but he could have just thought, I can't do this. I, my, my knees can't hold up to the pace of the Premier League. It's it's done. I'm going to walk away. And so many players do do that. But he didn't. He did everything he could to play as many minutes for Tottenham as was physically possible for him. And he was quality throughout it all. Even when he's his body was letting him down. He was still quality. And it's just, uh, I just think it, it's such a class thing that this has come out of nowhere that, you know, it, it's just, I don't know. It's just, I just loved it. I love the fact that we didn't know that it was happening. And then, and there it is. And Rob in the interview, and I won't give too much away, but he, he talks about how, um, how there are, when he's traveled the world, and he's gone to cities where there are major football clubs. That they, these murals that that come from supporters and people that follow the club, they 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 just appear. And now it's it's a difficult thing in in London to paint a mural on um, on the side of a building. And again, we go into this in this in this interview about how difficult this was to to make it happen. But the fact that it has made it happen, and we have something that Slavia Prague might have, or um, Dinamo Zagreb might have. It's that. It's that kind of thing, and and I just, I just think it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing, and it's so hard to get these things right. Anyway, we're we're, we're dipping into the interview now, but um, before we go into that, um, I just want to get your your takes on the game, um, how you felt it went, the, the fact that we won convincingly in the end, but it didn't feel like it was going to be that convincing for large parts of the game. John, what, what what did you make of it all? And then we're going to talk about Ndombele after that. Yeah, so I was actually um I was actually out. So I was <laughs> I was basically following the game through our WhatsApp group of everyone just losing their mind. Uh and so it was we've said this before as well. It's it's some ways it's so much more stressful when you can't get access to the game, when you just can't see what's happening. All you're getting is just the headline. And when you see <laughs> Tottenham are at home to Morecambe and they're losing one nil, uh, then it does get a little bit concerning. So yeah, having having um had a chance to have a little look back at like the highlights and stuff like that and really reflecting on it. Yeah, it, it sounded and looked like this is really now a clear way of us to see that the players that we thought were shit had a little bit of an upturn under Conte because his system's so good and the way that he trains his players will always see a bit of an improvement. But actually, a lot of these players we didn't think are good enough, they aren't good enough. And it really does puts that into perspective now that this is not this is not just uh, see, this is what happens when you have a good manager, look how good they are. Um, it, it does highlight that actually they do have a ceiling or they can only perform under um, very short spells. And so I think this is, in a way, we got the result, which is the the main thing. And what this does is it does put pressure again back on Levy to to back Conte. Maybe not all in this window. I'm not saying we're going to sign 10 players and ship 10 out and that's going to be problem solved. But I do think it highlights like there have been certain games that we've we've even got results in, but they do highlight the issues that the players and that yeah. we have just aren't good enough. So look, it was shit. There's no getting around it. But we've got through to the next round. We move momentum's there <coughs> I mean it was it was shit up until we bought the cavalry on yeah and, and then it was easy and uh and I guess that just it sort of backs up what you've just said um Ricky you were at the game you yeah. uh you took this opportunity to take your family along yeah uh, it's been 
it's been really hard. Like I've always, I've always wanted to uh, take my missus and my kids along to a Spurs game, and I've never had the opportunity to do so because trying to get tickets in the old ground and the new ground um, is really difficult, and memberships and all, and all that shit. Um, and also the game in it, Rick. Like the Morgan game isn't going to present itself with a lot of trouble, is it? So no, yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I just want to ask you a question, Ricky. If you, if you were my dad, would you have taken me to Chelsea away when I was eight? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's different with boys, isn't it? Start them early. <laughs> I did, my dad put me in some situations just because he wanted to go and watch the football with his son. <laughs> Sons. That, um, that I wish, I, like looking back, like Manchester City away in the FA Cup quarterfinal. And their fans ran on the pitch and there was fighting on the pitch and the police horses came out onto the pitch. Can't, like, in the modern era, it just wouldn't happen. Like, they, they, you don't have police horses in amongst the stadium. In, in uh, this game, Main Road in 1993, um, we went 4-2 up. Uh, Steve Sedgley scored two. Um, and they, Man City fans weren't happy. They, they weren't happy and, and they decided to display that displeasure by jumping on the pitch or running at the Spurs fans and I'm sitting there as a kid like going dad are we okay I remember hugging him going dad are we okay um and he was like yeah but it wasn't like a reassuring yeah it was yeah it'll be fine it's fine don't worry yeah it was a it was a horrible experience but one that I I wouldn't change for the world Ricky sorry this was a much more wholesome experience right for you yeah yeah totally um so, yeah, I, I just I always wanted to go with the girls, and, and it, it was just really hard to get tickets. And um, and got my missus' client reference number, got the girls' memberships, and, and this is going to be a game that I'll, I'll easily be able to get tickets to. And normally, what we've done is I've just bought adult tickets on the day uh, where like people that sit near to me and stuff, so I pay f- uh, full price uh, for one of my kids to come along. So it's always been uh, kind of when tickets are floating about, but. It was um, it was a great atmosphere uh, for uh, a family game, and both my kids came along, had their faces painted, they got a free flag, um, they were doing some kind of uh, football drills outside the ground, and it was just a real nice kind of uh, just a nice atmosphere really to to kind of proper indoctrinate the girls, like even if they were on the fence or it was their first game, like that they will remember that um, forever. Yeah. And and at the game as well, when my so my youngest has already been to the new ground, um, but my eldest hasn't, and I was kind of leading the way. And when we were sitting in the south stand, we were like three quarters of the way up, so you got a real good view of it completely sloping down and seeing that many thousands of people sitting there. And I was just looking in her face, and it was just pure amazement and buzz to be like. Fucking hell! There is just shit load of people here, well, and then just so, seeing and just looking around and seeing all of it, it was like. Is this your little one's first game? Uh, so it was my little one's second game. My my eldest uh, first game at the new stadium. Right, right. So, so when they, you know, we've all had that moment in it uh, at the old White Hart Lane where we walked up the towards the turn uh, the, the vomitories essentially into the stand and you see the turf and you see the floodlights and see the amount of people around. Did they have that moment 
Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, and like you could just see that the, the kind of like uh, that uh, their kind of eyes glazed over because it's just uh, information overload of seeing what what on earth was was around and 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 just being in a in a stadium like that. I don't think they've ever been in a stadium that big. Um, and another thing that was uh, was amazing was obviously we were sitting there. And we were watching the game, and then uh, Morecambe scored a goal, and they saw the away ends going mad, and everyone cheering. They, it would have been they, they, it would have been like proper limsy there, Endo. Yeah, they? oh yeah, ma- massively, it, and it was. Uh, Did they react to that at all? Uh, they, they were they were just kind of like, oh, like you fucking cunt, you fucking bastards. <laughs> Spittle all over the geezer's head, but sitting next to us, just like. Um, but when uh, when we scored. Uh, they i i kind of um i grabbed them and put made them stand on their seats so they got a real good view of everyone like jumping up and down and everything like that and like their faces were like gurning like their emotion (laughs) they couldn't like just control themselves like oh my god it was a senses overload it was like fucking hell man this is amazing and like my my youngest like when, when uh maura scored it was like so much overload. She was just screaming. Well, not even saying Tottenham or anything, just <laughs> screaming. Like, just couldn't fucking deal with the fact that we were winning and two goals that are quite close in, in time. And it was absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Um, there, was, uh, there was a couple of uh, well funny things as well. Like, it was a beautiful day, clear sky, really sunny. And as we were sitting down, the game just started and it was quite quiet. Um, everyone's just kind of getting to the seat and just, just kick off just happened. Uh, and, and across the blue sky, there's this plane. It was flying along. And my youngest turns to me and it's like an earshot and everyone. And she went, Dad, what would happen if a plane crashed into this stadium right now? <laughs> and I fucking lost it. I, I, mate, I was pissing myself. I was like, I was just like, well, we'll yeah, all be it's dead. not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Just trying to kind of uh, You'd be change... smashed to bits. Yeah. <laughs> change the subject. Um, and then the, the, uh, another thing is, because like, they're talking about the uh, FA Cup and Marine. I think uh, Marine were there and they they there was a presentation. Um, what, Marine were at the ground? There, mm. there was a representative from Marine. What, fuck, uh, didn't they mug us off in on Twitter? I don't know. I think they did. I think they they? did, Ricky. They shouldn't have been there. What was the presentation about? Sorry. I think it was just, you know, when... uh, Thanks for all the money. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Being close, you know, played behind closed doors and we gave uh, gave them loads of money. But they're called, I think they're called Marine AFC, I think. Uh, And my my youngest turned around to me and went, there's a team called Marine KFC. Like, quality. Right. We've got to jump on this... Imagine Jump on this head. right now, Rick. Yeah, that. she's computed that. But Rick, um, you made some notes about the game, didn't you? And yeah. you sent sent me those notes, and yeah. they made no sense to me at all. So the Marine KFC uh, just went through that one. Um, there was the plane, yeah, the plane in the stadium, and then there was uh, Yeath Army. So my kids <laughs> were like. Dad, why why is everyone singing Yeath Army? <laughs> and I said they're not singing that. And I told them what what we were singing, and they were like, "Can I say, can I sing that?" And I was like, mm, "Do you know what? We won't sing that one. We'll just clap along like everyone else is doing, 
uh, and I'll explain to you in the car on the way home about what that word means. What they said, is it a ru- yeah, and they said, is it a rude word? And I said, yeah, it can, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that one later. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was, uh, you don't really realise when you're at the ground and you've been attending football since fucking you were five years old, that how many songs are started and have the words, the Y word in it. <laughs> it's just like, Mate, there's a lot, isn't there? There's a it, lot. It, does it, it does, to you, I mean, without going into too deeply, do you feel like, uh, John, I'll ask you this. Do you feel like in the last month, because of that article in The Athletic, that it's become louder? Or is it that we are more sensitive to it because we hear it? I don't, on the back of that article i don't know yeah it's a good point i, I think <clears throat> rick makes a good point that i think you just as a fan you just forget how much especially as a, a non-jewish spurs fan you forget how how much that word is just used just casually around spurs especially is i would say like for 99 percent of non-jewish spurs fans you you're there is no uh ill intent to use the word right you use it in a in a spurs context so may, maybe it is a case of like it's just always been there, and it's because now we're folk, we're listening for it, and we're like, oh, actually, shit, yeah, we do say it a lot, rather than people saying, let's just sing it and say it more, because it's as long as I can remember, it's always there's always been Y word chants relentlessly at Spurs, always. So I don't think it's changed, but I would like to make a proposal that maybe we just permanently change it to Yeath. I, I'm up for that. Yeath <laughs> on me. I love it. Oh, me. I wonder if we'd still get in trouble for, for uh, chanting Yeef Army. Because it's sort of, <laughs> so that people would be going, well, it's it's closely aligned to you, so you're not allowed to say that either. And I don't know. It's yeah, maybe slope. if it was like, maybe if we said it's um, purposely because we want to keep everyone happy. Like we, we know the alternative is is bad. So this is a way for us to like keep the songs. And it's just a meaningless word, Yeath. I love it. Yeath Army Yeath. is actually yeah, sick. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm not sure that the alternative is bad. It's a very, uh, it's a very, um, it's a complicated issue, and yeah. there are significant uh, arguments to have on both sides. Anyway, let's um, let's move on. Uh, let's talk about Ndombele. Um you was in the ground, Ricky, and you put a message in WhatsApp, and and you didn't quite understand what was happening, or you you was what 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 was going well, through your head when Ndombele came off. So, obviously, um, his his name came up for the sub, and first of all, it was kind of like he, I, I get people's frustration, and I get people were booing, but um, I don't think I've heard booing that vehemently towards a player since I can remember it what was you, to one of our own make? players and yeah, uh, and uh, and first of all I didn't uh, it was quite, I thought it was um the, the the first thing that that uh that I thought of was he was getting booed because of his performance uh, and not that he was slowly trudging off and then after a few seconds it was like fucking hell he's still walking and the booze are still going on and he's still walking and he's still like, not one did he think, oh, you know, I'll, I'll quickly uh, quicken my pace. And I think there were, I can't remember, there was a player that went over to him that kind of patted him on the back as to say, you know, like, oh. I think it was uh, Ben Davies. Uh, I might be wrong. 
I can't remember. Someone like, just walked up. No, no, it might have been Tanganga. But give it, I think it was Tanganga and then gave him a little shove as to say, like, get off the fucking pitch. Live yourself up, son. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and the, again, like the booing, yeah, like I said, I, I get make their frustration, it, and I, yeah, I, I get their frustration, um, and I get especially towards him just trudging off the pitch slowly, and we're one 0 down to to Morecambe, but um, I just don't think it's not it's not going to motivate anyone, is it? It's not it's not going to get it. It's not going to. He's not that type of person. Like he he seems quite. Um, like an introvert, so yeah. I don't think booing is is gonna. He's not gonna go back into the change room, look into the mirror, like, oh, show them, like, and start giving it, start pounding his chest and punching himself in the face, saying, "Come on, then." Uh, I just think he'll just go into himself, really, and he'll just think, right, I just need to find another club. He'll just turn up, collect the wages. We need the guy to show up, um, and it's really hard to say, yeah, let's get behind him, cheer and clap him after a performance he's just turned in like that. And other performances, but um, I don't know what else to say, really. Well, yeah, no, that's that, that's that's like a fair um, summary of what what happened. I, I, he wasn't being booed because of his performance. I don't think. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you can tell me differently, but I don't. I don't think he was being booed for his performance. It was your. It seemed like he was, and and Delhi to some degree. It seemed like they were disappointed for being taken off. I get it because they they want to be able to get, be given the platform to shine. But what actually transpired or what it felt like was being transpired was that they were so disappointed that they didn't care about the scenario on the pitch. Fans going into that game and fans watching from wherever they're watching just want the team to win. We're not interested in the individual plight. We're not interested in whether or not Deli Ali or Ndombele are both disappointed by the fact they're being subbed. It's not in our interest. We don't care. They're paid enough to deal with that emotional reaction that's happening in their brain. If you're being subbed when we're 1-0 down against a League 1 opposition, two divisions below us, then get off the pitch. Just get off the pitch. And that's when I When I watched it, I was really, really angry. I was like, really... Like we pay you a lot of money, and I, I know it, the money—they're so rich, the money doesn't really come into it. But if you're being subbed, it's because something needs to change in order for the club, the team, the, the thing that we all love. Something needs to change in order for us to succeed. But if you delay that or make it more difficult, even in in a minuscule sense, then we're going to have a negative impact. If he can't understand, I'm sure he—I he, hope he's. He's sort of taken a moment to realise why the reaction, and it got worse as, as he trudged towards the the touchline. If, he, if he, he's taken a, re, a moment to realise that he wasn't being attacked, it was simply the fact that your 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 personal position, your position in the club, and your trajectory as a footballer at the moment in this tiny moment. It was more important to you than than Spurs winning. And if we'd have lost to Morecambe, we'd we'd all have to go into our workplaces or deal with WhatsApp groups, deal with un, unbridled abuse. And it didn't seem in that moment that he understood that, and perhaps he doesn't. And I think yeah. that's where the reaction comes from. 
Uh, yeah, I completely agree. I don't think he understood. I thought he felt that the booing was for his performance. And he was like, well, if you're going to boo my performance, I ain't going to get a wriggle on and just carry on walking and take it in my stride, that type of thing. You know, walk off with your head held high. And um, But if it, yeah, he'll probably look back and see that the booing was because he didn't get off the pitch quick enough so that we can make a sub when we were losing. And, and hopefully he'll um, just take it as a learning experience and then and kick on. Tom, what do you make of it all? Um, I I think, generally speaking, I, I don't think I like the idea of booing players, although I did call Kane a snake the first game of the season because it was it was lulls. Um, <laughs> but, but I also think that people, there's a line that you get to with with fans where they see your performances on the pitch, they see how much you earn, they see how much the club spent on you instead of other players. They then see you walking off the pitch. They then see you being unfit and not fit enough to play. They then see you doing all number of different things. Now, you do one of those things when you first join a club or over the first two or three years at a club, people will forgive that, right? Players come and do mad shit and then they don't do it again and it's fine. It's just it's just never-ending with him. And the most frustrating thing for me about the whole thing is I don't think really there's anyone who's actually genuinely questioning his talent it's his application. And in some ways, that's much worse because it's a waste of a talent. And fundamentally, if the, if fans go into games, they pay their money and they don't feel that that player is, is earning that money, they essentially, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but they do contribute to his wages, right? They do, they do have a right to say, like, fuck you. You are not earning your money. Like, There's a baseline performance that is equivalent to the wage that he's on. Now, he's on a big wage, so his baseline is pretty high. And if he's not performing, and he isn't performing, he's been shit, and then dis- and then deciding to walk off the pitch is not going to help his case. I have like very now very little sympathy for him, whether he's an introvert, whether he's a nice guy. I think there's been a lot of cover for him because uh, there's a lot of other high-profile high players that get called out for having a bad attitude with absolutely zero proof of having a bad attitude. I think Ndombele has a bad attitude. I think he's unprofessional. And... I think fans are like well within their rights to boo him for that. Bit racist. Um, let's... Well, <laughs> why, why, why break the reputation that you've so kindly built for me? For that? <laughs> Every episode I'm not on, it's like something happens and it's like, well, yeah, obviously John's a racist. And then it goes quiet. Everyone laughs and folks go, we should probably stop saying that. Doesn't stop saying it. Every episode. <laughs> After everyone's laughing, they'll wait for it to end. Yeah. The damage is done. Yeah, exactly. It's, that's the bit where most people turn off, and then the, <laughs> yeah, they switch on. Let's get it's like, the next oh, fuck point. this racist guy. Oh, forget <laughs> it. God's sake. While, right, while, uh, we, while we're talking about uh, bad performances, I just want to say um, shout out to uh, Roden for his first half performance because it was utterly diabolical. Bless him. <laughs> uh, like you could just tell there was uh, there was a pass back to the keeper, uh, and it was just it was just slightly too short and one of their Morgan players like ran on nearly got to it and it was that heart in the fucking mouth moment well, like, I, I, I thought Rick I, I thought Galini oh, should have come for that he put he put Roden in a bad situation I, both of them and then it, and then uh, when we conceded the corner for the goal and uh, Roden the ball was just looping and bouncing and Roden just smashed it out 
again, well, Galini should have come and taken that ball. Um, but both of them, uh, you know, both, both at fault. But Rodham, he looked that first half, he was. I, like, I get it, man. Like, you've got a manager like Conte. You've been waiting for your chance and you do not want to blow it. You, you really don't want to blow it. And the nerves may get to you. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like you are playing against Morecambe and you should be able to to rise to that occasion and really boss it. And I just felt that he got bullied by their number nine quite a bit. And I was just like, mate, yeah, like in, the, in, in the second half, um, he played a lot better and he's a lot more measured, a lot more controlled. But it was just one of those things that I was just like, fucking hell, man. Like It was just a wreck waiting to happen. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I can't, I can't. It's hard to defend his performance. But if you uh, you throw in Roden as the kind of central pin of that back three, when you've got a team that isn't cohesive in front of you and a goalkeeper behind you is yeah, suspecting yeah. that. I mean, if Lloris gets injured, <laughs> our entire season is fucked. And that, that, <laughs> and that, that just goes to show how much um, Gleaney needs to improve if he wants to stay at Spurs. Um. um Hey, yeah. Just quick, just quickly on this point, that is a, that is a really good point. I, I heard um, Indy on the extra inch make a similar point, which is that sometimes it's quite harsh to judge the like fringe players when they always just play with each other. Whereas if you brought like one of them into the best eleven, that would be a better judge. Now, I think that that point has legs when you take someone like a Roden, for example, who hasn't played that much, and then you drop him into this game having not played very much in a very like kind of random team. He's gonna potentially that's not going to be the best like opportunity for him to shine. And as Rick said, like he obviously improved in the second half. So, you know, I'm not saying he's the next Ledley King or that he's absolute shit. I don't know. Cause I just, I genuinely don't think we've seen enough of him in a strong team to really know. But then I think if you apply that same logic to the, like the Delis and, uh, and Dombele's of this world, Doherty's for example, like we've seen enough of them in strong teams for a long time. Like this is yeah. not, this is not like there's there's a there's a lot of sample size now. We're getting on for some of these players like three years. Like mm. there is enough now to see. Okay, like they they're not gonna be able to do what we need them to do either in Delhi's case anymore, or in like Lo Celso and Ndombele. Like they've the never problem, done it for us. The problem with uh, Ndombele and Lo Celso is that those are expensive players yeah. who are on good money. Ndombele reportedly on two hundred grand a week. Um, it's like what what, what how much the, would will we have to swallow as a football club in order to get them moved on? Like, how much is Ndombele worth at the moment? In my head, it's 20, 25 million if we're lucky. And then you've got to convince the club that's buying him to pay him the money he's on at Spurs. It's a similar situation at Arsenal where they've had Ozil, Sanchez and, well, now Aubameyang on huge contracts with absolutely no chance of or, or, or very little chance of moving them on to another club. Like Sanchez went on a free, I think, to Manchester United and then went to Inter, under Conte, I think. Um, Ozil ended up going to Turkey and Aubameyang, fuck knows what's going to happen to him. And it, it kind of feels like a little bit that we're going to have a conundrum or, or a situation with Ndombele. Because right now, I think, universally, as a fan base, we think Ndombele's days at Tottenham are numbered but that doesn't make it easier to move him on. And you, uh, <clears throat> he, um, Dan Kilpatrick put out a, a tweet earlier saying that Ndombele, and he said visors are acknowledging the fact that he should probably move on this 
transfer transfer window, but he's still willing to fight for his place in Conte's team. Now, I don't know how much of that's lip service and how much of it means anything. I can't see him leaving in, in January. Definitely not. But the best thing that can happen is for us as a fan base to be proved wrong about him, that he comes back in and he's given another opportunity and we can you know, move on and, and he is undu- undoubtedly a great player. He's a, he's a player that really can change a game. He's got the skill, he's got the vision, he's got the pitch IQ to really do amazing things. And maybe Conte can get that out of him. It's just that you know what Conte is, you know what he likes and what he doesn't like and, and the comments he's made previously before coming into this job. That reaction from Ndombele coming off would have been... I'd imagine conclusive for Conte. I don't know, but let's 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 jump to the um, the interview that we did with Rob White about the mural now, and then we'll do some questions. Then we'll end. Hello, Rob. How are you doing? I'm fine, mate. Yeah, yeah, you. It's been a long time, but you've been very busy over the last eighteen months, haven't you? Because this uh, this Lady King mural is to me has, has appeared out of absolutely nowhere. It's just suddenly there. It's, it's incredible. What, what, what's it been like? In um, what's this process been like? Well, how, when did you? Who came up with it? How, how has it happened? So I'll, I'll uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm literally just, just in the door back from the unveiling, um, the soft unveiling with Ledley, which has been brilliant. Um, and I, I'm, over the last couple of days, I think you, you know yourself when you look back at projects that you've done that are long running. You sort of look back and you think, if I'm to explain to anyone else what I've been doing for the last 18 months, I mean, I'm, I'm just a, a trust board member, like all of us, I'm a volunteer, but, you know, I've been sort of quite buried in this project work, but how I how I sort of explain away my, it's a bit like, you know, trying to explain where you, when you've been to the pub for too long, try, exactly where I was, but yeah, so <laughs> the, the Pracy version was about two years ago, I... I was sort of always had. I've always had an awareness when I've gone travelling. I think of, of other cities that have had beautiful murals and around football grounds and, and sort of dedicated to, you know, fantastic players or fantastic teams or or even sort of quirky, sort of fan hero type players. And um, it struck me that it, we didn't really have that culture here. Um, and living as close as I do to the ground, I was sort of I'm, I'm well aware that there's an awful lot of space in Herringay that could do with a lot of brightening up. Um, so a couple of years ago, I sort of, um, to, to, to give, I guess, give my, my honest version of it. I, I was concerned that the, 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 the club, it was the 60th anniversary of the double last year. And I was concerned that that wasn't going to be marked. Um, I also, because I moved back into the area two years ago, um, this side of the borough, Herringay, I've always lived in Herringay, but, um, I was sort of aware that this, there's this big sort of spaceship, which is absolutely beautiful, one of the sort of modern wonders of the world. Um, but I think there's a, I think football clubs in general can be quite guilty sometimes of not tying into the community. And I think the community can be equally as guilty. And, and Herringay have sort of one of the most diverse, well, definitely one of the most diverse populations in Europe. Um, and I think there's quite a lot of people who live here. Um, there's an awful lot of fans that visit here, but there's a lot of people that live here that don't necessarily know the full story about the club and the players and the history and what went on. So, so my point of interest is heritage and history, really. Um, so, yeah, it started a couple of years ago, um, and I thought it was going to be a simple process, but how wrong I was. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, all right. So let me pick you up um, mm-hmm. on, on some of that stuff. So sure. first of all, I absolutely love that. I love the um, first. I think it's fantastic, and everybody who this is something that's been shared through WhatsApp. I'm not sure if you're aware, Rob, but this has got onto this. This is this came to light to me, which is bizarre, through my brothers. Uh, for the WhatsApp group we have together as my brothers. They said, like, have you seen this? This is incredible. Did, did you say it Friday night? I It would have been a couple of, yeah, a couple of days yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. Why Why'd you say that? Oh, just because. So we, we yeah, we've had this sort of dilemma of trying to hide an elephant on the high road, basically. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah. You know, um, and when we first, because all of, all of these things work on a sort of schedule and the, the, the gap, that, the weather gap and the gap for the artists was the, the, this period. And when we looked at the calendar, um, along with Tony Stevens at the club, who has been fantastic with this project, um, we <laughs> there was nothing between the Watford game and the North London derby. Um, and we sort of did talk about covering it up, and then we thought, no, actually, it'd be fine. And then, lo and behold, we get Morecambe, and we get the Chelsea game. Um, but actually, I think it's worked out perfectly, and I'm pleased that you said on the intro that... Um, it, this thing seems to have appeared out of nowhere. And that's been really one of the most, the hardest things and one of the most important things about this whole project, in my view. I love, I love that though. That, that's, that's what's magic about it. There's so much. And, and, and like, I think people outside of football probably would think, oh, it's just a painting on a wall, you know, but in, inside the culture of football, and this is what's uh, another thing that's beautiful about it is it surrounds the club. It's nothing to, I'm sure that I'd like to ask you questions about what the club's involvement were, but but it, this is something that that feels sort of fan led and and something organic and beautiful, right? And I'm, I'm not using these words lightly. I really I'm really infused by the fact that this has appeared, and and the fact that it has just appeared makes it all the more better. If we if the trust had came out and said we're working on a project and this is what it's going to be it wouldn't be anywhere near as impressive and i just want to like just to finish what i was saying about the fact that this is organically spread through whatsapp groups and message boards and obviously through twitter and social media facebook and whatnot and it's just sort of there and you're like wow that this is <laughs> this is this is great and i'm sure that's if it was me on the other side of it that would i'd love to hear that that would yeah. be like that would be like food, you know food and drink to my heroes Oh, absolutely, yeah. So it's 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 an incredible thing, right? But, um, so what? What? How did you find <laughs> a, a wall that was owned by someone that would allow you to do this? Uh, you know me. I'll give you the candid version. Um, we we um, so I was I I started looking and I I went down and spoke to this this um. There's a really big spray paint, one of the biggest in London, spray paints shop in Bruce Grove. And I knew nothing. I'm a creative, but I don't know anything about the, the world of, of straight art. So I thought, oh, well, I'll go and chat to the guy there about what we do. And he said, well, the, the first thing to do is try and find a wall and find me. He said, if you find me a wall and find your permissions, I'll find you an artist. Um, and I started asking around and looking around and a lot of the walls in the, in the immediate vicinity of the stadium are owned either by Harringay Council or by Tottenham, um, Tottenham Hotspur or Enoch. And for one reason or another, uh, for which um, I won't sort of go into too much here, um, some of those walls prove quite difficult. And a lot of it is to do with the proposed, um, there's two big building schemes that are, are, are sort of 
happening or going to happen in the next two or three years in the area. So people is this connected to the club or just generally. It's connected to the, well, there's one that's connected to Harringay Council, which is the Love Lane Estate. Uh, I can't remember the uh, is that High Road West. Sorry, High Road West. That's that's around there. And there's also the the clubs, um, um, the bit around Goods Goods Yard or Goods Way, whichever it's called, which is just by the station stadium. So yeah. um, there's two ways of looking at it. One, uh, well, I, I prefer now to look at it and say, well, I can understand why people were are still slightly reticent um, about uh, earmarking walls, uh, and that wall might disappear in a year's time or six months when it when it's a demolition. Yeah. We sort of were at a point, um, I got introduced to a, a third party, um, a guy called Mark Silver, who runs a company called Muir Walls. Um, and he, funny enough, was talking to somebody else at the club about um, doing a tribute mural. And we we teamed up um, and, yeah, we walked around, looked at a lot of the other sort of slight issue is that there's a, it's, I don't actually know the, sort of the term for it, but it's not... Um, it's not a heritage. It's a uh, God. It's like a protected. Some of the some of the buildings in that area are protected. So there's there's a so they certain can't just amount be raised to the ground. Well, there's a certain number of them that are listed. Um, so I think it's a heritage corridor or something that Harringay Council call it. So there's only certain you can walk along there with and think, oh, that one, that one, that one, and quite a lot of them you can discount because obviously you can't stick it onto a listed building. Um, there's, there's various caveats on what you can and can't do. Um, so yeah, it's it's um, I I've lost the question, Flav. That's all right. No, it's no just... I'm, you know I me. Mean, I'll, I'll ramble, but there we go. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. It's fascinating. So what? So how did you? Um, so what? Why? I mean, it's an, ob- an obvious answer, but what? Ledley King was the one because. Um, to, again, to be honest, we we've looked at we looked at various um, things um, or, or various subjects and. Again, to rewind uh, the the sort of Dragon's Den thing that I kept saying with to, to people um, when I was talking presented to people at Harringay Council or the club or other other sort of groups in the area. Um, so about five years ago, myself, um, Julie Welch, who co-wrote the the Goes to White Art Lane, I got a plug in there for it. That's um, right, the book about your dad. Yep. Yeah, the book about my dad, Pete Hayne, who um, is also a board member at the Supporters Trust. We mapped out, um, so there's a five-mile Spurs history walk, which we do every now and again. It was a fundraiser for the Antwerp Arms. And that traces out the history of Spurs from Tottenham Hale through to, um, effectively it goes all the way through to the Antwerp. And we point out sort of areas of interest. And while I was mapping that out, part of my sort of thought process two years ago was, wouldn't it be lovely in the borough to have a Spurs heritage trail um, where you had a series of murals, maybe they were tied into a barcode or tied into QR codes rather. Um, and you just wander around the area um, and you walk past the Ledley King mural and you get a, a little soundbite of Ledley talking about his experience at Spurs. I'm also really interested in, you know, the history of football and history of the culture of football, I guess. Um, so yeah, we, we, we have talked about, we did have serious discussions about, you know, other other subjects for that mural. Um, in amongst all of my, uh, the meetings that I had with various people, I got introduced to a guy called Kevin Lincoln. And Kevin is the, I think he's a secretary. He's He runs the uh, Tottenham Community Sports Centre. Um, and um, he said to me, oh, w- 
what sort of wall you're looking for. And we were like, well, we're looking for any wall at this point, Kevin, because um, we just want to get some momentum on this project. And he had this wall, which was, it's the sort of end of their boxing gym that, that looks out onto Tottenham High Road. And because of the, I guess the, that, that community centre is used by hundreds of local um, local residents, local kids. And um, we as a trust and Market Mules and the club thought that uh, Ledley King would be a, sort of a real inspirational um, figure. And actually, since it's gone up, I think, I think I've been doing post-rationalising on it, but I don't know that there's going to be that many one-club players um, in our, you know, in, in the modern era. And... He, he, he ticks, he ticks, no, he doesn't even tick a lot of boxes. He is such a, a phenomenal player and such an icon at our club. And, it, and sort of football in general that it was really, in the end, for that first sight, a real no-brainer, I think. 100%. I, I, yeah, he just, I mean, he, he's, he uttered the immortal, what, 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 a, a, a phrase that will go down in history along with yeah. Bill Nix, which is, yeah. this is my club, my one and only club. Well, do you know, do you know what was really funny about that? When we were looking, because the, that quote is on the, the mural, obviously, if you've seen images, you'll see that. And um, somebody was saying, well, is there an immortal quote from Ledley? And, and, and some, somebody else chimed up with that quote. Mm. And I thought to myself, no, no, that wasn't Ledley's quote. That's come from Bill Nick or some, you know, somebody else along the lines. And I actually had to Google it. And it is obviously, is Ledley's quote. But it's such a, an iconic, uh, iconic quote. That, that it fits the bill perfectly. I, I'm looking at it, and I, I'm I'm getting goosebumps just looking at it. It's crazy. It's <laughs> really, and obviously the the goal. So, so for those that haven't seen, if you haven't seen, then then we'll we'll post a picture on on our Twitter. Um, but uh, the the celebration is his goal against Arsenal as well, and and it's I I know that not because it was. I think we drew that game, and it wasn't significant. I think we drew it to all, if I remember rightly. Um, but he that just his arms stretched out and him running along in a team that wasn't incredible. We were sort of on the up at that time, but it, we were still very much in our formative stage of what Tottenham are currently. And this felt like the, that that sort of season of um, uh, you know uh, where where sort of there was the transition from um, oh, I can't remember who was managing us before Santini and then Yo and Arneson, but um, it was that sort of period where things started to kick off and and for him to be for that image to be used I think it's significant I'm not sure if that was intentional but it that sort of era was the start of Spurs becoming a super club exactly and and, and as you're talking I'm thinking you know that that's it's sort of more it adds more sort of veneer to the, to that the legend that is Ledley King and and of course it well it, that's why it's so fitting that he's on that wall really what 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 did he think of it then? And oh, he absolutely he, he he absolutely loved it, loves it. And when we so we pitched the the actual final concept, we uh, myself and Mark, we had a meeting down at the club with um, Tony Stevens, and I've known Tony for years. And um, I think the first time I met Tony and Ledley was at um, who's sorry Tony Stevens. Tony Stevens, he's the head of oh, I can't get his job right. Uh, PR um, at the club. Yeah, at the club. Um, and he used to do the, all the player liaison. And um, I met him at um, um, an event. And um, yeah, uh, and it, him and Ledley are sort of, they've been, they've been mates for a long, long time. Um, and we, we met Ledley, sort of pitched the idea at him. And I, again, I think it's quite interesting if you're not in a creative world 
and somebody starts talking about, we've got this idea, we want to do this, this and this. I wasn't quite sure how he would compute it, which I, you know, it's, it's like somebody coming in to, talking to me about, I don't know, pensions or time, sh- you know, something and I'm glaze over, but he fully embraced it. And then we, we went for a walk with him along the high road and showed him the, the actual scale of the building, which is sort of 20, about 20, 22 foot high by probably about the same, actually. I think it's five metres squared or six metres squared, actually. Um, I know I've gone decimal and um, metric <laughs> in one in one sentence there, but it's a big old thing. And, and, and I think then you could start to see the – I started seeing the um, – the cog starting to work and thinking, wow, this is incredible, This the size of this. And um, we did the, the reveal today with, with him and, and his, his wife. And um, it, it was beautiful, actually. It was a really beautiful moment that, that when he saw it. And funny enough, all the way through, because we, there's a couple of twists. We've been working on it really hard the, last, uh, the end of last week, Thursday, Friday, um, and today. And, and we were joking around and... Tony was saying that he was really hoping that he'd get we'd get tears from him, and we didn't get tears from him, but we got really really close to it. And because you know to- Ledley is famous for just being cool, calm, and collected, and um, yeah, it was, I, I talked to him. I did a little little interview. There was uh, quite a lot of media down there. I did an interview with him, and he, he was he was actually really emotional and really touched and really humbled by the whole thing. I mean, you would be, wouldn't you? I, I mean, yeah, there's I just, one. Sorry, mate, I cut you off. I just can't compute how. How I would react as well. Hopefully, I'll never find that out. You know, <laughs> I—I I mean, there's one thing. There's one thing um, that the fans singing your name in the stadium is as as mental as that would be for sort of general sort of match day going fans or, or, or supporters of the football club. If that happened to you, would be crazy, right? Um, but as players, they're used to it. That part of being a professional footballer, a, a, a club the size of Tottenham, was that if you do well for the club, your name will echo around that stadium. Yeah. But this is something else. This is this is this is an acknowledgement of your impact on on the club. The fact that you will be immortalized not only in the memory of everything that you've done playing football, but in really sort of traditional football in um in in a football sense. You know, like you said you talked about in terms of it being uh, murals are happen that happen around Europe for t- certain players, and even even Sean Dyche has one in in um, <laughs> in Burnley. It's it's important. So like this must have been something else for him. And, and I'd imagine as a a man who who grew up in the sort of oh, late seventies, well, he would have been born in the late seventies, eighties, and then sort of played his football later on. I, I'm not sure actually when he was born, but. He's forty one, I think. I might be wrong on that. He's only forty one. So he would have been born in seventy nine. So, yeah. So, to, you, you, as a man, you don't sh- typically, and it's unfortunate, but you don't necessarily show emotion. But I can't. I, there's no way that he wasn't uh, moved by this. It's it's wonderful. Was you was you in any way worried by um, what what the reaction might be? Because it's quite hard to get these things right. <laughs> I really was. Yeah. 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 Um, um... You're still there, mate. Yeah, I'm. I'm, yeah, I'm with you. Sorry, yeah, I just. Um, yeah, I, I, I was, and uh, again, being a sort of visual person and working in that industry, I was also sort of. I, I don't know. I was. I was slightly cons- not concerned. I just didn't know what the end result was going to look like or be. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there was there was definitely a real well uh, yeah a, a, an area of concern for me, but um, 
Yeah, in the end, it, we didn't need it because the reaction was was beautiful. Actually, it was lovely. It was really nice to 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 see and to to hear and to. I don't know if you caught the bit on. There's a there is a Spurs official, sort of the first time he saw the video um, on on Twitter, and he he said um, uh, it was actually really poignant. I was I'll get I'll get slightly emotional, but it did make me took me back to thinking about my dad because he said. Uh, he said, "You know, the great thing about this is that oh, this will be here when I get old, and I'm always going to be young." Yeah, that's, I'll that's... paraphrase that, but you know that 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 thing. It, it, yeah, it's yeah. Quite, and, and I think that's part of the. That's what I wanted from. Well, selfish, but that's part of what I wanted to try and portray with this project was the importance of these people to the local community. You know, to to uh, hopefully to to inspire other you know other people, and I think. Um, you know, Ledley will certainly do that, really. Well, I think that Tottenham, the area, obviously, is almost everybody listening to this will know that there's sort of high levels of poverty. There still are to this day. There are massive social issues and challenges in Tottenham, and and the club. There's, there's, you know, the, the it's not always been plain sailing with the club and the local community. Mm-hmm. But, yep. but this is this is this is something that the local. Local kids walking around and local people walking around, and they look at it and say that this is this this is this is what can happen. This is what what this is this this could inspire. It could. It, I don't know. There, there's many facets to this, but it's a, it's just a wonderful piece, a wonderful idea. It came out of nowhere. I was really sort of happy about it. I, I saw I saw it's um, when I, I think the, the the main image had been sort of painted. And the <laughs> the bottom part had, but the other bits hadn't been added yet. <laughs> uh, and I just, it just, it grew and got, it just, yeah, yeah. it was just better and better. It's fantastic, uh, Robert. It, I'll just add one thing, actually. Is what was what was really interesting because I got a call Friday night from somebody saying, "Have you seen it? It's on Twitter." And I, I was just around the corner from there, and I, you know, you're thinking, okay, so, but, and then I saw that picture, I, and then the guy Mark, uh, Mark uh, Murgles, I, I spoke to him. And we realised that none of us had a had a finished picture because we'd covered we'd put the scissor list lift right in front of it. So the only, the finished picture I got this morning was the first finished picture that we that we had of this thing, which was it, I, I think we, yeah I'm I'm going to big myself up or everybody involved <laughs> with it because we've done really well to to sort of keep it as as under the radar as possible. Well, I, 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 I mean, obviously, we produce a podcast and people were messaging us constantly about Tottenham and things that are happening around the club. And not a sniff. Didn't hear a. Didn't. I had no. Absolutely no. I'm actually a little bit upset, Rob, that you didn't send me a message. I'm off, and this is I'm off your Christmas card list for next year. <laughs> no, mate. Absolutely. Congratulations. Well done. And um, just as just in, like an everyday follower of Spurs, this is something that is. Uh, it makes it makes me proud. It makes me. Um, you know, it makes me love the club a little bit more, <laughs> if that's yeah, possible. It's nice to hear that because that, that's part of the, the reason for it. You know, to make people proud. Indeed. Uh, Rob, thank you so much for your time. Cool, no problem, mate. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Talk. So that was that. that was, uh, that's the, the insight you needed to understand how the mural at Spurs of, of Ledley King happened. And it was a fantastic interview. Full disclosure, Ricky and John haven't heard the interview. <laughs> so I was going to play like, along. That was yeah. yeah, it was wicked. What wow, so <laughs> it was a really good interview. It was really fascinating. Um, but let's let's get to some questions here. Um, uh, we've got one from Just Dan. He says, "Have Paratici and uh, Hitchin simply been employed to be cheerleaders until January first? 
many important fixtures this month. So strengthening, so strengthening could have helped potentially get to the final and close to the top four. Conte must see Villa, Everton, and wonder why nothing is happening. I think it's a bit, it's a bit harsh. Yeah, is there a question hard, in there, or is that a statement? Well, I think the question is: uh, Are I they cheerleaders? The, <laughs> the question, no. yeah, the question no. is: Have they be? Are they both there to to kind of push the club's agenda? And um, are Villa and Everton doing more in the transfer window than we are? Like, I, 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 I suppose we could talk about Coutinho and the fact that he's going to be joining Villa, and is that something that? we could have benefited from it's not it doesn't feel like a it doesn't feel like a move in the right direction to to sign a player who's hasn't has been based on his his potential level not been incredible at Bayern Munich and Barcelona and every both of those clubs would give a player like him every chance to be world level right like Liverpool Barcelona and Bayern Munich, for a player like him, you'd think that he he should be like a well-beater now. So why isn't he? And that question about why is probably the reason why he hasn't got a better club than Aston Villa. Rick? Yeah, that made me feel a lot better, you saying it like that, Flav, so thank you. Oh, you wanted him? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, and there's, there's nothing wrong no, for no, wanting no, him. No, 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 no. It's one of those things where you, you do question yourself. You, well, I mean, you do question the club as to say, right, OK, um, you got players like Coutinho, Isco, and there, you know, there's a long list of players who we're being linked with. But you like thinking, are they players that no longer have the motivation and the hunger because they've been playing at top clubs, getting paid top wages, and they're just seeing out the rest of their days now? Or if you do take a punt on them, are they actually just going to turn up because they know that they're going back to Barcelona at the end of the season? Or have they rubbed the dust and, and then you've you've actually got this player that is fucking mustard. And you knew they were. It's one of those things you, you're never going to know how it's going to go. And Coutinho, he, he was amazing at Liverpool. And like you said, he hasn't pulled up any trees at Barca. I think, you know, the... He's had a few games for, for Bayern, which is, he, he's been good in, but surely he would have signed permanently there and... But like you're saying, he, he's he's not done anything and he's been given an environment where he can flourish and it doesn't look like he has. But when you see teams like Villa land someone as big as Coutinho, you do that you know, you do see I mean you think, Well what the fuck are we doing? Like do you well, think, why, like, if we if we wanted him we couldn't have got him? Like I I know there's a Gerard Paul, but it weren't like there was a clamour of clubs trying to buy him. And no. and, and I think his his career is going to go similarly to um, Hamas Rodriguez at, at Everton, whereas like he's clearly quality, but has he got everything he need in order to be a top four club? And that's what we're talking about with Spurs. We're not talking about Aston Villa. We're talking about Tottenham. And like for for, for someone with the the, the uh, their career as well, like you look at it. Am I going to go and play for Conte and be uh, trained to within an inch of my life? When he's done all my that. ass, he's done that, and go to Tottenham, who could not finish. You know, there's a big pressure on you to 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 perform, and if you don't, then your reputation goes further uh, down the Swanee. But then, if you go Villa, you have got Gerard. I mean, I'm not saying he's not going to 
push you as much as Conte, but there is a difference between the two managers and there are different pressures between the two clubs. And you're still going to be, be uh, picking up that wage packet. So Villa does look more appealing. Yeah, indeed. Rick, um, sorry, John? Yeah, I, I mean, I think Rick's like covered it really well. I guess the only thing I'd add is like, it, it's just we're in a difficult position because we've we've tried we've tried the route of like going down the basement bargain French players, the Incudus of this world. That didn't really work for us. We have tried like doing the bail route of like loaning in a big player on the decline. That worked pretty well, I thought actually. Like when we bought bail back, the difference in this in this is like there was an emotional attachment. So that's what gets you that bit of energy that Rick was saying. Like what? What's Coutinho's connection to Spurs to make him fucking run in the cold rain when Conte says get up and down the line and press? Yeah. He's one. He's been there and done it. Play for some of the biggest clubs in the world. Is he going to want to do that or go and play with your old teammate at Villa where there's less pressure, same money? Yeah, so kind of a no brainer, right? He'd probably get more out of it. Gerard would probably get more out of him than than, than Conte would because yeah, of sure. that relationship. Yeah, and sure. um, we I. I we're having we're having a conversation about Ndombele being an absolutely you know, you know incredible talent, but a mercurial talent, and and by the same token, saying why aren't we buying Coutinho? If Ndombele doesn't care about Tottenham, and I don't know if he does or not, I'm just saying this for this for this point. If Ndombele doesn't, then why would Coutinho come come to Tottenham and, and play the best football of his career? By the same token, though, you're thinking like Van der Vaart came to Tottenham and played some of the best football of his career and he'd 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 been playing for Ajax and then Real Madrid and and that's where I don't know he had something to prove though in it it's, it's, it's slightly different I would you I, um, sorry mate I was gonna say like just based based on this type this profile of player and given like the age profiles and stuff would you take Ericsson because he's had this heart thing fitted the same as um Bind which, as far as I understand, my very limited knowledge is like, it's fine. Like, you, you, this doesn't affect you in that way. Obviously, it's he's always fit a to play. You're saying, yeah, he can play. Like, he's fit to play. Like, psychologically, maybe he's done some damage. Sure, you know, he's had a sort of nearly a year out of the game. Has that done stuff? Sure, but like, he's a pretty fucking good player, and you could get him for next to fuck all. And he does well, have an zero, emotional attachment to the club. He'll be zero. Well, that's what I mean. But I mean wages. I mean, but you. You also have the added benefit of he played under a title-winning Conte team. He knows what it takes, and also a manager a player, also a player who had a really tough time in his first part. Yeah. He, you know, he, he sort of carried his form from Spurs into into Milan, and he was you remember he's getting dogs abuse, yeah. and Conte created a a platform for him to shine. And he, he was really really good, and you know and we saw in uh, Euros before he's collapsed that he was. He's still got something. I'm not answering your question, John. I. Mm. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Like if he want, if he wants to play, he feels healthy enough, and the health authorities say that he can play. Then yeah, that'd be a lovely thing to see him back at Wild Lane, hundred percent. Rick. Uh, I wish you wouldn't go, Rick. Uh, I don't know, man. Why? 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 Why, why did you say that? Why? Why were you wishing? Because. Uh, because uh, I don't really want to answer it because I don't think I don't know with with his heart problems and with I know what John was saying that uh, his the treatment that he's that he's had he'll be fine to play now. I just think if you've had those heart problems, 
do you really want to be like the the people that are saying we'll give you money and carry on playing football and in case that, something that, happens that, to in him in case something happens to him he, you know he's a young lad he's got he's got money he's got a young family it's, you know if he can hang up his boots and 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 have a coaching role do, do whatever within the game fair enough it's up to him it is up to him but then it, why do what, why would we want to be the people that are like okay here's your it. contract yeah and f- facilitate it and uh, uh, but but my answer to that rick would be that he, he if if it was just him coming to us and there wasn't a supporting body around him like medical official officials and player licenses and the PFA that would have to enable that to happen these people know so much more about his condition than we do yeah and if they're saying actually he's fit to play there's no reason why he can't do something he loves to do and he wants to come to Tottenham and Tottenham want to bring him in knowing that then it's not on us as fans to make that moral argument i don't think because we don't know enough i don't know when, I don't... when he used to play when he played for us he would um cover the most amount of uh distance more than anyone he like he was just phenomenal um if he did come back to play for us and he dipped like and how much grass he covered? Would would we get angry if we if we didn't Rick, see? Him I, I feel like you'll get angry. This is what you don't you don't want to get angry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you That's exactly you... it. Hide my um, heartisms. <laughs> I, I, I think you'd be in the ground with your with your daughters going fucking run, Eric. <laughs> would let me ask you this question then, Rick? What do you think is more dangerous? Right for the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is more dangerous? And Dumbledore didn't die for this. <laughs> Rick, what do you think is more dangerous, coming back to play top-flight football after having a serious heart condition or eating a scalding hot sausage moments before you're about to do a podcast? Uh, I don't... Uh, well, I think it's got to be the, the sausage, really, because well, yeah. I've got, uh, yeah, I've got like a blister on my lip already. I, I thought, feel there it. You go. I, I thought, John, you were going to say, or taking a vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, Jack Kirby Love, he's got a, a, a sausage-filled with vaccine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> so, suddenly, uh, I want I want the booster as well. On the fucking side, <laughs> I have the lot. Jack Kirby Lowe. Yes, uh, I'm not Conte out by any stretch of the imagination. By the way, I um, I did a what I thought was a throwaway tweet, um, where there was news came out that Kane was going to be rested against Morecambe. Of course, he was going to be rested against Morecambe. Like, why wouldn't he be rested against Morecambe? We need him. He's one of our most important players. Obviously. Against Morecambe, he shouldn't play. He shouldn't certainly shouldn't start. And I thought that was a, a fair game to make a joke. And I put I put a tweet out saying, "Get Conte out of my club for not playing Kane against Morecambe." And I thought everyone would get that. Honestly, I've never had more abuse in 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 a single week of my life than I have this week for for that tweet. It was unreal. Someone, one, I got a DM saying um, that uh, that he wished a, a, a particularly aggressive and horrible illness on me. Wow, I've, really? Yeah, I've had all kinds. I, I also got a couple of those for the anti-Klopp tweets I did. I, I'm not aiming to be, um, you know, contrary or, uh, you know, I don't know, controversial. It's just, 
basically don't tweet any any opinion about football because it'll come on top. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Jack Kirby Lowe, he says, um, <laughs> it's been unreal. Uh, I'm not Conte out by any stretch of the imagination, but has he got any result yet that any vaguely competent manager couldn't get with the same squad? I'm glad he's here and he's going to be great, but I'm not on the hype train till he delivers a genuinely impre- impressive result. John. No, I, th- I think uh, I think the re- that's a reasonable. I think that's reasonable to say that if you're just looking at um, results as the metric. For me personally, the most frustrating thing about Mourinho and then Nuno was just the style of play and like performances. That's what really bothered me the most because actually, especially in Mourinho's case, like we got some great results and we were picking up good results, and actually we beat some top teams as some of those results. But it was fucking horrible, and I was miserable watching it. The thing that's encouraging me the most with Conte, even in these early stages, is it's not perfect, but fucking hell, it's loads better. Like, it's a lot better. We're trying to play in a much more like interesting, enjoyable and progressive way. Will it take time for results to come? Do we need players to improve the squad to be able to beat top teams? Yeah, absolutely. Like We will struggle against basically our top four challengers. We, we will lose to them in most cases because we just don't really have the, the squad there. Also... <laughs> It's super early. Like he really hasn't been here that long at all, and he's still got the players we all thought were shit under Nuno. I guess what he's asking though, John, is: is are, are we are we getting carried away based on what he's done so far? And I don't think the answer is yes. I don't think we're getting we, carried away, are we? No. Like, no one's no one's saying we're the best team ever. I think everyone's Just saying hopeful of what yeah. what might happen. I think we're saying now, like, oh shit even though these players are a bit shit and we need to do loads of stuff, like he is that good that we might be able to get top four. That, that's like for me is is reason like it's reasonable to say that we, we might do it. No one's going to win the league this season, and we're the best team that's ever existed in mankind. Like, I think we're just <laughs> appropriately hyped, moderately hyped. I'd say. Yeah, Rick. Yeah, I ain't got nothing to add, man. <laughs> All right, I, I, brilliant. Yeah, well, no, I just I'll just repeat exactly what John. Yeah, said. no, when, no. When, no I, when, I, when I actually when I first saw this question, I thought. What mad bastard has tweeted us that? Like, not blah, 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 but, but then I actually did look at it and I was like, nah, that's actually quite fair. Um, but one of the well, things well, that I am excited, Rick, one of the things Rick, I am excited about that, right, uh, John didn't mention about with uh, Mourinho and Nuno, at, but Conte, obviously playing a lot better, but it's the individual coaching of other players. Well, players, you know, we all thought Dyer was in the bin. We all thought, Sanchez was definitely in the bin. We all thought everyone was in the bin, but he's come along and there's players that have made marked, markedly improved in their performance and uh, positional, um, where where they their, their role within the team as well, psychological. There's loads of um, improvements he's made to individual players. And to be honest, that's something I didn't really expect. And I am, I am quite... Um, Upbeat about that as well. Yeah, he he posted the uh, the basically the performances that we've had or the results we've had since Conte joined. Um, I'll take you through them here. Uh, t- we beat Vitesse three two on his debut. We drew nil nil away to Evan. We won two one at Leeds. We lost to Mura. Uh, then we beat Brentford two nil at home. We beat Norwich three nil at home, and. We drew to Liverpool, which was the most significant performance because 
that was I think people forget that because we didn't win. But not only did did we not win, we should have smashed them. We should have beaten them five two. I think if we'd have if if Kane was the Kane that we had two years ago, he would have he would have had a hat trick that game. And beating Liverpool four two, three two, five two, which was well within our means if you look at the chances created, that would have been a significant moment for Conte. But we drew and I think, you know, people look at it and, and think that, that well that you know, drawing a home against top another top four or top six club, you know, is, is about medium. It's you know, it's par for the course course. Uh, then we went to West Ham. Well, we beat West Ham in the League Cup, and that isn't insignificant because they are a really good team. We've seen how good they've been since that result. We beat Palace three nil at home. We drew to Southampton, which is a game we should have won, and we beat Watford, and then uh, lost to Chelsea in the League Cup and beat Morecambe. But there, there'll be time for Conte's Tottenham once he's grabbed hold of this squad properly and, and got started to get players in that he needs to realise his vision and, and the players that have improved under him will get better and Kane will start fire, finding his his scoring boots even more so than he has in, in the last four or five games. Plus Romero, who is a huge, was a huge sign-in and will have a huge impact at Tottenham when he comes back to fitness. Then you should start to think like, oh, if we played, if we played against everyone in the top four towards the end of the season, and we haven't, we've, we've been trumped or or, or, um, or beaten convincingly, then uh, you know have a go at him. A lot of people are saying, well, and I'm not saying that the that um, Jack who sent in this question is is a, is suggesting this to be a true truth, but there are people out there saying. There are, you know, Spurs as got as good as Conte have been under Tottenham. That we haven't beaten beaten anyone significant yet. But give him a chance, like let just let wait, wait and see. He probably will. He, without a shadow of a doubt, he will get results against big teams. But he's been there eight games. That's it. So it's not. It shouldn't even be a question about whether or not Conte is up to the job at all. It's not even something that we should be discussing, I don't think. I don't know. Anything to add, boys, before we close up? No? Nope. Um, okay, good. What, I uh, just want to know what, what's going with those sausages. Yeah, what, what have you got the for dinner? Or what you got? Uh, yeah. I, do you know what? I, I didn't even... Uh, this is this is bad to say that I, di- I didn't ask. Like, well, what, what do you hope for? Wait, wait. Oh, what do I... Yeah, I just hope. Yeah, definitely some mash, some nice uh, a buttery, cheesy but- mash, buttery, oh. milky mash with some nice, fresh, cracked black pepper. A, li- a little bit of uh, truffle oil in there? Or... No, nah, it's too, too, much. too much for me. Too far. Yeah, it's too, it's yeah, some English English mustard on the side, though. Don't worry oh, about that. Yeah, yeah. Smother yeah. the old oh, I love a bit of horseradish, it. horseradish or English mustard on mm. the side of a. Oh yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Beautiful. I love you both. Come on, you yith. Yith. Come on, you yiths. Yith army. Yith army. Rick, say something. Sausages. (laughs) It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Cock. 
Sports Sutton! Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.